everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the 10th episode of Riverdale Season 6, Folk Heroes. I'm Mary Gukowski, and unfortunately this week, I am not joined at the same time with my normal co-host, Kirsten McInnes, but Kirsten has sent in her own audio, so we're doing this again. We did it once before, and we're doing this again. Sorry, everyone, for how hectic everything has been this season so far with my schedule and Kirsten's schedule, but we got a lot of podcasts coming at you, so if you want to listen to them, unfortunately, sometimes we're just not going to be able to do it at the same time. But I will try to edit this as close as possible to a conversation of uh, some sort, so we'll see how it goes, but hopefully everyone can enjoy this. We're two deeply busy people, so uh, I'm very glad that we're doing this rather than Mary being two people again, because that just, it was so funny, but it made me feel bad that I couldn't be there this week. So this episode of Riverdale, Folk Heroes, let me tell you, I didn't love it. I don't, I don't really care about Percival Pickens, and so having an episode that is like so heavily Percival focused just was not doing it for me. I actually kind of liked it because there weren't too many plots going on. We've really got three to discuss here, and uh, it was not the worst episode of Riverdale we've had, but it was certainly not the best. Uh, not, just not my, not my favorite. I guess, I think too much Archie, but uh, the episode did start with a Jughead voiceover uh, that I'm sure Mary is going to read in its entirety, but it was about folk heroes and uh, how River- Riverdale needs a folk hero. Heroes. Some are born on the gridiron and baseball diamonds. Others are ripped from the pages of comic books. But then there are folk heroes, champions of the common people. You've heard of them. John Henry, Johnny Appleseed, Davy Crockett. Folk heroes are symbols of courage for the oppressed. Riverdale was being threatened by a villain with a seemingly supernatural ability to control minds. We needed a hero to defeat him, one who wouldn't manipulate our neighbors towards their worst impulses but inspire them to do their best. We needed a modern-day folk hero. So, something that I just noticed for some reason while we were going through this jug head voiceover is our our Betty Archie Jughead and Veronica like representative of the Hogwarts houses. I feel like Veronica would be the Slytherin, Archie is obviously the Gryffindor. Uh, and then Jughead and Betty, it's hard because I feel like in the comic books, like Jughead would clearly be the uh, Hufflepuff and Betty would be the Ravenclaw, but they're both kind of Ravenclaws in this show. So I wonder if that's like a sweet spot if you're going to, you know, write a book or make a show or movie with four main characters, if they all kind of represent a different, I don't know, archetype. That'd be kind of interesting to think about. But anyway... I digress. Let's get into the story. Let's start with the Cheryl plotline because it's a little bit separate from everyone else's. Of course, it's Cheryl. She's off in her mansion. It's got to be a little more separate. Cheryl is on fire as a plotline. Uh, throughout the course of this episode, Cheryl basically has a fever and is feeling not well. She is feeling bad. She can't be with the Abigail doll because she is sick. So she's to bed and Nana Rose will watch the doll, which I don't understand. Like, if the point is that she is kept in the doll, I don't know why they have to watch the doll. Why can't they just, like, put the doll in a box, in a box, in a box, in a box, and, like, throw it in the ocean or something? Uh, and then just make sure the candle keeps burning. Like, I don't understand why they need to have a 24-hour vigil uh, on this creepy doll. Which, by the way, was the Jason doll, and then I think they put a wig on it to be the Abigail doll? Or did it grow hair because Abigail's in it? This is something I am deeply, uh, deeply upset and curious about that I would like to know. So Nana says, we're going to get a night nurse to watch over you because 
we uh, like I need to watch the Abigail doll so I can't do it. And then the night nurse shows up and it's Darius. <laughs> and so I was like, hmm, Darius, you seem kind of familiar. Like they don't really introduce you. I'm like, was there ever a night nurse named Darius earlier? And the answer is yes, there was. Because I scrolled through my old notes and I realized that I had written hot nurse Darius. So apparently, or no, hot caretaker Darius was what I had written. And apparently that was a thing back in season four, episode three. If you remember Dog Day Afternoon, it's the one where apparently Tony hires hot caretaker Darius. I'm not sure for what purpose. Maybe when the twins were still living there, or maybe the hot caretaker Darius was to take care of Nana. I honestly don't remember. But it's the episode where Jughead first goes to the prep school and Polly has a bomb strapped to her chest that Betty disarms with the farm. Remember that episode? So apparently that happened and he won most normal person. So good to see hot caretaker Darius again. I'm really curious to know if <laughs> Kirsten recognized him or not. So they bring back in um, Darius, the nurse who has got received most normal person at one point, to watch Cheryl sleep to make sure she's okay. But when she wakes up in the morning, he has turned totally to ash. He's, like, I guess burned alive. I don't really understand how someone can burn alive and be turned completely to ash and someone sleeps through it, but that's what we're led to believe. He quickly burns to a crisp. So Betty comes to look at Darius's remains and she wonders why his feet didn't burn up, which, just so you know, we're never going to have an answer to. And Betty starts doing some research into why this would happen. She discovers that uh, basically Cheryl's a phoenix kind of thing. Like, I don't know what that's, it's like thermo something. Yeah, cause she goes, cause she goes to talk about like spontaneous human combustion. But what she finds out from this agent is that it actually sounds like someone manifesting nascent powers of pyrokinesis so Cheryl can conceivably create and control fire with her mind. So she just keeps getting hotter and hotter in the middle of the night. So they put her in an ice bath and her temperature does eventually go down, but like she's melting the ice around her. That was a pretty cool shot, actually. I actually really like this scene because Betty and Cheryl are getting along and like sometimes we forget that they're related, but they, they act real real cute and cousiny here. But Betty says that she's not going to let Cheryl die. She's going to talk to the FBI division that specializes in phenomenon like this. Betty goes back to bring this information to Cheryl and Cheryl's like burning up. They say she's 200 degrees, which like your brain would literally be boiled at 200 degrees, but okay, Riverdale. And Betty's like, Cheryl, concentrate on this fireplace and try to just like make it catch fire to, I guess, let the heat out. I, I don't know. Apparently this is how pyrokinesis works. Focus on the wood, burn the wood. Cheryl, you're a phoenix. You thrive in fire. Your brother's corpse was baptized in fire. Abigail was consumed in fire. You burned down this house and you rebuilt it. Like, as the temperature rises, she is just, like, yelling at Cheryl to focus. And Cheryl's like, do not yell at me. And it's not working. It's not working. So Betty ends up putting a picture of Penelope in the fire and Cheryl burns it up. So yay for Cheryl and congratulations to her. She has a superpower now, too. I don't understand the point of this. I don't understand the purpose. I don't understand why. Like, I'm so tired. I know that I sound overly negative and I know that that's not the most fun to listen to, but I just don't understand any of the Cheryl stuff. The other thing that happened 
happens with Cheryl is that little, what was her name? Little orphan girl, Britta. So Britta leaves Cheryl to go back home after hearing that Cheryl wanted to adopt her. So Cheryl wanted to adopt Britta, even though Britta has parents. (laughs) I guess uh, her parents are like, okay, well, uh, Cheryl wants to adopt you, so we're going to, I don't know, keep you or we're going to decide to like welcome you back for who you are. Like, that's good. I mean, obviously, it's great if your parents have changed their tune and everything, but also probably Britta just wanted to get out of that house that was doing such creepy stuff anyway. But Cheryl says that she'll always have a place at Thornhill because she set her free from Abigail, right? And so I I just feel like we have not seen the last of Britta. I feel like the parents probably have not accepted her and are going to use this opportunity to um, be abusive parents. Is That's my theory on this. And it's, it, listen, it's not a fun theory, but it's how I feel, okay? I can't help it. I, I, I just can't. <sighs> so Cheryl reads Firestarters by Stephen King and lights candles with a wave of her hand. Now, let's just think about this for a second. From our current theory we have is that the something to do with the bomb and like the Rivervale alternate universe has been creating these sort of alternate timeline things that are happening in Riverdale that are reflections of what happened in that like story. So for example, Tony has her child taken away from her by um by her story and with the folktale and in this one her child is taken away from her by social services. Like it's that kind of thing that we keep seeing. I, I don't I can't remember was there anything with the fire? I mean like Abigail dies in a fire, Cheryl burns Archie in a fire. I don't know. Maybe there's something there with that. So I don't know if this is related to all the other superpowers everyone else is getting, but we'll see and we'll see if she has any weaknesses. Although so far, like Jughead and Betty don't really have weaknesses. I mean, I guess Betty's weakness is that she didn't know the TBK was coming. I don't know. All right. So now for the next plot, which I'm going to call Girl Bosses, uh, we've got Pickens talking to Veronica at the Babylonian and she doesn't want to call him Percival. I think that's funny. He's like, call me Percival. She's like, Haha, no. So he wants to live in her champagne suite. I didn't even know this casino had suites. Like, this is what's confusing to me is that I swear at the end of season five, Veronica asks if the council, if she can have a casino. They say no. So she builds an illegal casino, like, in the back of the jewelry store. This is my memory, at least, of it. And then in River Vale, she actually, her and Reggie actually have the giant casino building that we see now. But for whatever reason, when we switched back to Riverdale. It's just like, oh yeah, she's got a big casino. Like, when did that happen? I feel like this is new. Anyway, but yeah, she is like not going to allow him to live there, except he's like, okay, but how about this? I'll step down from being deputy because I want to open a curiosity shop in town. Which is like, okay, cool. More magic. I know Mary will not be pleased about that. I'm not concerned with law and order anymore, even though he's still on the committee or whatever. The tribunal? What's it called? The council. He's still on the council. So uh, he's like, yeah, I see potential in you and your casino. And I'll pay cash rent for a year, including a year's back rent and a year's security deposit, which is ridiculous. And if anyone says they have that much cash, then they're probably lying or got it illegally or something. But she's like, okay, I guess you can stay there. And he's like, awesome. Also, I'm going to sing and take over Kevin's position being the singer because the ladies and men both love me. So, okay. Uh, 
Look, his singing, eh, we'll get to it. At the start of the episode, or whatever, at one point in the episode, there is a town meeting. Now, this town has more meetings than Stars Hollow. I do not understand why they're having like four meetings a week. This does not seem like an efficient form of government. Like, I just can't think how this makes sense to get anything done efficiently. Pickens is like, hey, we're gonna spend all of our money on the Pickens Park Revitalization Project because for whatever reason, that's the most important thing. Even though I'm pretty sure at this point they don't really have a fire department because Archie was running that. I don't know, is he still running that? What happened to the fire department, boys? Like, Archie has so many jobs now. We always talk about Veronica having jobs, but I'm pretty sure Archie still works at the school and he might be a firefighter and he has his construction business and he owns the gym. A lot of things happening. So pretty immediately after he talks about the park, which like I will say his park plan seems pretty good. There's like bike paths and places for kids to play and stuff. But then he's like, also, we need to put back that massive statue of General Pickens. And so pretty immediately, Archie and Tabitha speak up about what an oppressive and homicidal maniac he was and how he like murdered the whole Uctana tribe, which uh, Tony is descended from. So uh, it's like really interesting because they're talking about this, you know, monument. This is really topical with a lot of the monument removal that happened in 2020 and 2021. And I had a lot of that uh, removed near where I live. So this is what supposed to be 2027 or we're not erecting statues to racists of the past. Like the, those statues come down and you know, we're not erecting them. Like I'm sure statues are going up and will continue to go up that end up not aging well or should have never gone up in the first place. But not like this. Like this just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Just interesting that Riverdale is, you know, like we, we saw it a couple episodes ago with the like unhoused population and those topics. So they're definitely like trying to be very relevant, which is always very confusing with the show because it, it kind of like takes place in present day and also in the past. So it's just interesting. There is a new design for the town uh, sign, the Welcome to Riverdale sign. And they've taken off the A Town with Pep and they've also taken off the Home of Pops. And now it says like, you can't stop progress or some dumb something dumb like that. I don't know. I feel like they could have rephrased that to like the town that progresses or like the town with progress. I don't know. Just you can't stop progress. I feel like that's not, I don't know. If someone was like, oh, come to, I don't know, like come to Cleveland, the town that just can't stop progressing. It's like, I don't know, having the word can't in there somehow makes it not positive sounding. He's like, yeah, unfortunately, we can't have room for the town slogan, home of Pop's chocolate shop. But like that, the sign hasn't been built yet. So like make room for the slogan. Why are you saying we can't? Everyone except for Tabitha Tate is fine with the sign and Percival, because of course Percival's using his mind control, right? So Tabitha's going to confront Pickens about why he keeps coming after her. And he says he's not and he, she shouldn't waste her energy fighting him. Instead, she should go after Veronica since Veronica is the one who also wants a billboard promoting the casino. And there can only be one other billboard on this highway because it's only zoned for two billboards. Well, like, I don't know, can they ask for it to be zoned for more than two? I don't know, put it on a different highway? Don't billboards have two sides? Couldn't one side be Pops and one side be for the um, Babylonia? Like, I, I just, to me, this seems like there's no actual stakes to this, but... Also, wait, so now the town is chill with the casino? Veronica and Tabitha both pitch it and the Babylonia gets the approval because apparently now the board is just all about having the casino because Percival decided he's in on it. 
I don't know. I mean, I guess probably Pickens like talked to Frank and Alice and was like, hey, the casino's cool now. So let's just let's just get on top of that. And, you know, mind controlled them or whatever. So maybe they are okay with it. And so Tabitha is trying to figure out what's going on. And she and Tony put their heads together because the casino is killing both of their businesses. And it makes sense that it would affect the white worm, but it doesn't make sense that it would affect pops because like casinos give out free drinks, but I mean, people still got to eat, right? So they go undercover to go to the casino and Percival is singing and whatever. He said he's better than Kevin, but I, okay, whatever, Percival. Look, there have been hit and misses in this show with singing. He's not good. I mean, he's not like bad. It's not like he's pitchy, but he's nothing, he's nothing special. Like, I don't know. If I heard him sing, I'd just be like, okay, you're passable. Like, yeah, sure. You can, you can sing happy birthday, but uh, I don't know. It wasn't embarrassing, but it certainly wasn't better than Kevin by far. And they, okay, these women are dressed to the nines. Like, they are dressed formally to go to the casino. And, like, I know some casinos are fancy, but they're in Riverdale, which isn't even a town. They don't have a fire department. And it just doesn't make sense to me. So I don't know why they're dressed like that. But they go and they discover that the uh, Babylonian is giving away sliders and alcoholic milkshake shots. So no wonder both of their businesses are suffering. And to this, I'd say like, yeah, see, Veronica isn't their friend. Friend would Friends wouldn't compete that directly. Like Veronica is just here to make money. She doesn't care what Tony or Tabitha, or, you know, what they're doing with their livelihoods. We've never seen this be like a conversation with them. We've never seen Veronica like get on board with them and hang out with them at all. So they leave and they put their heads together. And the plan is they need something that will compete with the casino, which I keep wanting to call the casino the El Royale, even though I know that's the boxing gym. Like, come on, Kirsten, get it together. So Tabitha and Tony decide to basically fight fire with fire and play Veronica's game. Tony says she's going to get some slot machines and a craps table and Tabitha can start serving alcohol, which I don't understand because wouldn't that hurt Tony's business? <laughs> like Tabitha's just upstairs. And then for live entertainment, Tabitha suggests bringing back the singing diner. But then Tony suggests something that I never thought we'd ever hear, which is to bring back the serpent dance. They should have never stopped doing this as a business decision. I, I don't understand. I really feel like there were so many articles written after Betty's like strip tease back in season two that they were never going to like circle back to the serpent dance thing ever again but apparently they did so that's where we are i mean it's definitely under different circumstances and definitely a lot more uh i don't know not horrible and cringy when you have adult characters doing this but basically they're just gonna dance meanwhile though Pickens suggests a partnership with Veronica. He wants to become an investor and tells Veronica that she should go look into what Reggie is really doing at Mantle Motors. He also is like clearly trying to sow seeds of discord between Veronica and Reggie. So she goes and looks at Reggie, who borrowed a bunch of slot machines. She says that he is kicked out of the Babylonium and banished from her bed. She says this in front of a bunch of guys. Also, I don't even see Reggie's dad there. And was like the whole point that he set up this deal with the wise guys at the casino or like the fake casino, you know, table thing that he set up in Mantle Motors. 
in order for his dad to just like feel cool. Like, I don't even know why he needs the slot machines. I mean, he says that like, oh, it just like benefits us because we share the profit or whatever. But I don't know. She's not happy about it, mostly because he was doing it behind her back. Now, what I don't understand is how this is even a side hustle because they're the casino's property and the money I assume is going back to the casino. He's like, it's just another one of our classic side hustles. And she's like, I feel betrayed. Has there ever been lower stakes drama on this show is what I would like to know. That is the situation. And then Pickens is like, okay, it's not just Reggie who's doing this. It's also Tabitha and Tony and that she needs to go check out the white worm. And he tells her to like firebomb pops and the white worm. And she's like, "Uh, I'm not doing that. What's what's wrong with you? And he's like, well, but have you seen what they're doing? And so she puts on her Monica Posh, a horrible blonde wig. Also, why in the world is Veronica in the Monica Posh wig? This is so unnecessary. They know it's her. She's like just sitting at a table in the corner. She has a drink. She's clearly been served. Everyone would know who that is. Hobbles over to the White Worm with Percival and sees that they are doing uh, a musical performance and possibly got some VLTs. And she's like so insulted. And it's like, they had a business first, Veronica. Like, why are you trying to directly compete with them when you have a totally unique concept that could be different? Like, I don't understand why she's this upset about it. I really don't. So Tabitha and Tony are doing the serpent dance while other girls are sort of pole dancing. Tabitha and Tony uh, singing Private Dancer, which I thought was fun. I thought it, I thought it was a fun performance. It was, it was not the best. It was not the worst. You know, music on Riverdale. They uh, will consistently do that. And then Pops goes outside and sees a drunk guy peeing on the wall outside his building and all the empty kegs and stuff. And you can tell that he's really not happy. I'm confused because this is happening in broad daylight when he goes out there. So like, are all of these people in a bar at broad daylight while they're doing this dance? It just doesn't seem like you could have just made that scene dark. Come on. So Pop is going to confront Tabitha and be like, this is not what I wanted in my family diner. I didn't want there to be drinking and serving liquor and stuff. Although to be fair, it looks like she's just serving beer, but okay. It's kind of an interesting precedent. Like I've been to family restaurants where you can buy a beer. Like that's not, I don't know, that's not that big of a deal, but I guess it's more the implication of it just not being what he wanted for his restaurant. It's clearly bringing in, I don't know, a different atmosphere. And then Fangs is going to show up while Tony is dancing and he's going to bring up the custody battle for baby Anthony because apparently he just got out of jail for, honestly, what was he in jail for? The riot? Oh, owning those guns. So he was in jail for having all those guns and he's like, yeah, we were trying to fight this battle to keep baby Anthony and this is not a great look. So, and then the guys at Mantle Motors tell Reggie to take the casino back and one of the guys insults Veronica and they say like, let's discuss our partnership further. But I don't really know. We didn't, we never really come back to them for the rest of the episode. So I guess that's something for another day. Tabitha calls Veronica. She says that they need to meet in person and talk. So then we see them agreeing to a partnership. Interesting how they film this. We don't actually hear what the partnership is. It's not until Pickens comes in and asks what the conversation was about that Veronica continues to have not learned her lesson about giving everything away to her enemy. And she just straight up like tells what the entire partnership was. She's like, oh yeah, I'm going to give two slot machines to the worm and Tony will give me 10% of the 
profits, and then we're going to open a pops booth in the casino, and her and Tabitha will split the shares, which sounds like a perfectly fine, you know, partnership. Like, I don't really know how this exactly benefits Veronica, but I guess at least they're not in competition anymore. And Pickens is like, oh, that's such a good idea. You're so smart. And she's like, actually, it was Tabitha who came up with the idea. Why are you selling Tabitha down the river? Like, has Archie and everyone else not told Veronica to stay away from Pickens? I felt like at the very beginning of the episode, she kind of knew he was bad news, but then decided to allow him to live at the champagne suite because he was going to offer her so much money. But I don't know. Apparently, apparently she just doesn't know the whole deal. <sighs> okay, what else happened? Okay, so then I feel like everything else kind of fits into one plot. And of course, it's just not a fun plot. So uh, as I said at the start of the episode, Jughead has decided the town needs a folk hero uh, to save the day. Why? I don't know. But I guess that's what he thinks will so- save Riverdale if everyone's united against something. They also talk about how they could go you know, figure out how to not get controlled by Percival. And Jughead has done some research and learned about emotional anchors. So you're supposed to think about something close to you and it will break the tether with someone who's trying to control you. So uh, based on this, they needed to give the town of Riverdale something to feel emotionally tethered to. And Archie is the closest thing to an American folk hero. Archie is right, though, when he says, like, not everyone sees me in that light. I don't know if that'll work. Now, we're going to later find out in the episode that the emotional tether thing is like a Patronus. Like, you have to be thinking about it at that time, like, while the mind control is happening. And I don't know, even if they, like, made Archie the town folk hero, I don't know if everyone's going to be like, oh, whoops, mind control doesn't work on me because Archie. I don't know. So Archie and Jughead are going to interrupt one of the town meetings and announce that the Elroy will no longer be open for town hall meetings, but instead will be a youth boxing gym to instill values into their town's children, which is a great idea. Except I feel like the like the nice thing to do would be like, and also we can use it for town hall meetings because it's like they're kind of doing a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Like I understand the point, but also don't you want to be able to hear what the town hall meetings are talking about in order to plan around them? I don't know. It just seems kind of weird that they've mixed in this kind of thing that people might see as a negative and like give them a reason to dislike like you. And so they can just use Archie's secret weapon in order to get him, you know, stated as like the the toughest man alive with the Guinness Book of World Records. And they're going to bring back K.O. Kelly for this. Now, I have some experience with the Guinness World Records stuff. First of all, just to clear up some things, you do not get in a book necessarily. I mean, there's there's like a lot of things that are in the books every year, but there's so many more records that are obviously not in the book. Now, Jughead's going to say something. I kind of missed it, but he said something about like, oh, yeah, my cousin or my uncle or something works for the book of records. So that's his in. He's like, I'm going to call a person out and he's going to come watch Archie and then present him with an award. Again, that's typically not how this works. So I don't know if I've mentioned it on this podcast, but I definitely have on others. My dad actually has a Guinness World Record. And in order to get that record, I was part of the process. It took two attempts. There were a lot of rules. You need witnesses. You need to record the whole thing. They can't be family members who are witnessing. There's like certain shifts that each witness has to participate in. You need like volunteers. There's a lot of work that goes into it. 
obviously depending on how long and complicated the task is, what kind of witnesses you need. But for his, since it was something that was going to take him over eight hours, we needed a lot of people and a lot of video footage, and it was very complicated. No one like comes out and sits there and just watches it and goes, okay, yep, you, you did it. I'm sure that happens sometimes if you're like a famous person or like in this case, if you know someone who works there, but people from Guinness can't just be running around the country all the time watching people try to do these things. But it's a show. So just in case you were wondering, like if you wanted to try and get in the record book. Uh, I don't know. It's not exactly how it works. So Archie participates in a, a bunch of feats that no human could literally ever survive, like having cinder blocks placed on him while he's on nails and like... It just doesn't make any sense. Has he not watched Smallville? Like all the superhero movies and stuff when there's a young superhero and it's like they're in high school or college, they're always like, oh, I can't be a normal kid because I could accidentally hurt someone and it wouldn't be fair because I've got this unfair advantage. Exactly, Archie. Learn from that. And then he's going to get hit in the stomach with a sledgehammer. Honestly, I'm surprised that so many people volunteered to do this, but 10 bucks that Kirsten is in her recording like, oh yeah, I would love to hit Archie's stomach in <laughs> with a sledgehammer i guess that's not enough that doesn't make him like the toughest person alive uh he has to also box you know because he's a punchaholic right the punchahol is back ko who we have met before has been a professional boxer for some time and his whole thing is that he has knocked out every single opponent he's ever had and so using archie's uh invulnerability he can just stay standing but and that will create a legend that will just build and build he meets uh, K.O. Kelly and Archie has to put up the boxing ring, which is gone. So K.O. decides to go to Veronica's new casino. So K.O. shows up and Archie's like, hey, you want to help me like set up the gym for tonight? And K.O.'s like, hell no, I'm going to go to Veronica's new casino and hang out. And he's like, okay, sounds good. So then Pickens comes to the gym and tries to mind control Archie to cut himself with a box cutter. But the box cutter breaks on Archie's arm first. And then Archie sees a picture of Fred and like stops being mind controlled so Pickens quickly leaves but this scene is bad because Pickens now knows that Archie has some clear invulnerability ability. Archie does tell Jughead about this and Jughead's like we're already on the path we've got KO here like everything's gonna be fine you're gonna be Riverdale's folk hero and it will simply drive Percival out of town. Now I can't think of why this would chase Percival out of town because I, I feel like if Archie's not directly in front of someone, Percival would still be able to control them even if Archie became this famed folk hero and could make a difference. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. But you know what? It's Riverdale. We need to stop trying to make it make sense. That's the whole point of all of this. But then Pickens, unfortunately, finds KO in the parking lot of Pops the night before the fight and mind controls KO to walk into traffic willingly. So at the hospital, Jughead tells Archie what happens and it's horrible. It's like we don't even see KO. They bring KO back to be in two scenes and we don't even get like a scene of Archie talking to him in the hospital saying he's sorry because I mean, it's really Archie's fault for calling him into town with a guy who can mind control. But then Pickens is going to call Archie and he says, dude, he's like, yeah, dude, I totally want to fight you. And Archie's like, yeah, I want to fight you too. And they make a deal that if Archie wins, Pickens will resign from the council. But if Pickens wins, Archie has to personally reinstate the general Pickens statue in the park. But, you know, it doesn't matter. Archie's invulnerable, right? Well, wrong. Because uh, Percival just gets a little bit of that handy... A palladium and is able to beat the crap out of Archie. He controlled Alice to go into Betty's room and then 
also controlled Betty to figure out what's going on with Archie. I don't know. He stole the palladium, he put it in his boxing gloves, and he beat the absolute crap out of Archie. Like, literally, he is bleeding. It is gross. And I did not realize that the actor who plays Percival is so tall and, like, broad. He just seemed so much bigger than KJ Appa. It's a very, very strange. I didn't realize, but, you know, KJ's little. He's a little guy. It's fine. I love that Jughead and Archie are actually working together again. Yay best friends right question mark okay side note back in season one episode one of riverdale when we find out that archie and jughead are like not friends anymore which if everyone remembers that they were best friends then archie decided to bail on his road trip with jughead even though they couldn't drive and instead hooked up with his music teacher all summer which really just says a lot about <laughs> the direction this show decided to go in. And so then they all of a sudden at the end of like the first episode or second episode become friends again. We really should have known from that point on that like this was not going to be a show where this Jughead and Archie were ever going to seem like they were really close friends because they never did. I mean, the least believable thing in this whole show is that any of these people are supposed to be friends because they never hang out. But anyway, it's cute that Jughead's at least, you know, like holding Archie's like robe thing. I don't know. But it's gross that Sheriff Keller is Pickens' right hand man robe holder. Also Pickens and Archie really. They both have really tiny nips. Just just pointing it out. At the end of the episode, we see Percival, Sheriff Keller, and Frank at the site of the new General Pickens statue. And Pickens uh, reveals that Tabitha will not be long for this town because she is standing in the way of true progress with that hideous diner of hers. He says, I'm afraid to say, gentlemen, uh, Tabitha Tate's not long for this new world we're creating. So I guess every episode so far has been Percival trying to fix one thing or make one change. And, you know, sometimes he wins and sometimes he loses, which I guess is an interesting back and forth. But I just don't I don't care about Percival as a villain. I don't care. I don't care about Riverdale. I don't care what happens to the characters. And so there's no stakes in the show right now, which is really frustrating. I would absolutely love if they could give us something that actually feels like it has meaning. I don't know. That's that's just that's just me, but you know what? I could be wrong. In general, I actually kind of liked this episode, like I said at the beginning, because of the cohesive plot lines, but also because the last several episodes we've seen the main people here losing. Like even with the episodes where Hiram was doing a lot of destructive things and people would be down, it was rare that the end of an episode would be like, "Oh my gosh, they are just getting worse and worse." Like usually there'd be like a slight win or a plan for what they were going to do next, but not this time. Like this time, Archie's down and out and it's not looking good for Tabitha. When I looked to see, okay, the title of the episode is Folk Heroes. Is that folk? No, folk heroes. And I feel like there is no specific thing called folk heroes. Like it's a TV trope and there's lots of folk heroes, but I don't believe that there's any one show or anything that's called folk heroes. So I'm not sure what, I guess they've changed their ways. It's very interesting. Uh, I'm curious to see what the episode title next week will be and if they will continue to buck the trends that they've done before. So I can't find much about folk heroes in terms of a movie 
movie or TV show, but obviously folk heroes are things, like Jughead mentioned in the voiceover, Johnny Appleseed, John Henry, etc. So a folk hero, by definition on Wikipedia, is a national hero or a type of hero, real fictioner or myth- real fictional or mythological, with their name, personality, and deeds embedded in the popular consciousness of a people mentioned frequently in folk songs, folk tales, and other folklore, and with modern tropes, status, and literature, art, and film. With regards to most normal person, it's a challenge. I don't think anyone is really acting normal anymore. There's way too much magic going on to be able to give, like, normal feedback. And I'm sitting here extremely struggling to come up with who the most normal person of the week is. Like, I don't think it could be... I wanted to give it to Betty, but she's trying to help Cheryl become a pyrokinetic. So, I don't know if that's possible. I don't know. Is it Britta for going home to her family and getting out of the house that kidnapped her, you know, took over her body and then had a bunch of witches try to do horrible things, made her bake scones of arsenic. I'm going to give it to Britta, even though she was barely in this episode. Hopefully Kirsten came up with an argument for someone better and I could use that one, but we'll see. But I guess if I had to do it, I would give it to uh, Tabitha and Tony because they're just operating as business owners and like trying to live their lives. Uh, and trying to, you know, like, beat the competition rather than doing some sort of weird scheme or anything like that. But the way they dressed for the casino was not normal, so I'm open to other options from Mary as well. Well, we'll let her finalize who the most normal person is. All right, everyone. Well, hopefully Kirsten had some interesting things to say. Sorry this was a little short this week. Sorry it was extremely late. I had a very busy weekend. I was off running another ultra marathon, uh, which don't worry, everyone. This one was extremely difficult. And hopefully the memory of that pain sticks with me a little longer than the last one did. And I don't sign up for another one of these soon. So fingers crossed on that. Unlike Archie, I am not invulnerable to pain. Uh, Mary and I will be back next week. Like, listen, our schedules are busy. We will be, you know, covering the content and we're going to do whatever we have to do to get creative in order to do so. So we will be back next week. But that's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week for episode 11. Until then, you can follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform. And if you're interested, you can check out some of the other podcasts we do over here at KowskiCast.com. That's cow with a K. Please leave us some five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. It really makes a big difference to help people find the show and it really helps us to know that people actually care about the content that we're creating. So you'd really love some five-star reviews. You can also check out the Big Brother Canada 10 coverage that both myself and Kirsten have been doing over at Rob as a Podcast, as well as everything else that Kirsten's doing. You can follow me everywhere at Kirsten Said What, including twitch.tv slash Kirsten Said What. You can listen to my weekly BoJack Horseman rewatch podcast, BoJack Horse Pod, and you can listen to me talking about uh, Temptation Island season four on the Hot Dummies on Islands podcast feed. And and this week, a new podcast just launched with myself and Sasha Joseph. It is called Mess Magnets. It is under the RJP umbrella, but we will be breaking down celebrity gossip, pop culture, and trending topics every week. We've uh, recorded our first episode and it is super fun and I would really love if people would check that out as it is a new show and if you could subscribe, it would really help us uh, to get noticed and found and other people to listen. Uh, but that being said, uh, we'll be back next week for uh, season six episode 11 until next time bye
focus on the wood, burn the wood. Cheryl, you're a phoenix. You thrive in fire. Your brother's corpse was baptized in fire. 